Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, and welcome. I'm trying to, looking out the window and trying to figure out uh, if March came in like a lion or a lamb. Doesn't appear to be either to me. Got to come up with another animal. What did March come in like? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's March. I'm not watching the calendar. Like when you're a kid and you'd watch the clock in, in class. I've been watching the calendar, like somebody stuck in prison, marking off days. Uh, I need spring. I desperately need spring. And if we're in March, I think we're getting real close. So I'm just saying. Always have to start with weather-like stuff. I don't know why. Yes, I do. Anyway. Hi, guys. It's March 1st. I see my surgeon today, and if all goes well, he's going to say to me, you look great. I'm a genius. I succeeded yet again. I took a broken woman, and I made her whole. And go out and live your life. That's what I'm hoping to hear this afternoon. It's supposedly my last visit. And I was thinking, so when was that? That was four months ago. Jeez. Time. And then I was thinking, I was thinking about time earlier today, too, in a whole different way. I was thinking about time travel. (laughs) I remember my brother telling me once when he was immersed in the Middle Ages, and he said, you know, if you could, like, find yourself, let's say, I don't care, he said, go to Paris, go to London, anywhere, Um, he said, odds are you would not survive for 24 hours. (laughs) What? No, I mean, he said, you would just be felled. The stench alone, seriously, he thought, the stench alone would uh, would kill you. So I was thinking when we think about, well, how I was thinking about time travel, just to cut to the chase here. And it's not a happy thought. But I had been reading about this god-awful CPAC thing, and I, and I thought, wow, it is like time travel, isn't it? I mean, we're now knowing what it is, in part, to be living in Weimar, Germany. Seriously. I'm not even – seriously. We are watching in real time the effort to birth a truly nationalist, proto-fascist American political party. And 
somebody pointed out to me a few weeks ago, you know, when Hitler tried this, he wasn't successful the first time. Right? He kept coming. He kept coming. He knew he had a message that resonated. He knew he had the tools that could make this work. And he he knew that the republic was weak. And I'm just saying, for all of you his, history buffs who often dreamt of wouldn't it be amazing to be in Rome when, in Athens when, I hate to tell you, I think we're in Weimar, Germany. Now, so enjoy the time travel. God help us. Okay, I'm just going to be meandering all over the place today. I'm, I'll come back to CPAC uh, in a little while, I think. I, I talk as if I have some kind of uh, planned agenda here. I do not, just so you can set the picture, I am uh, sitting at my dining room table and um, there's no way anyone could eat on this table at the moment. There is no way. At one end, there are, there's the beginning of a new jigsaw puzzle, which is a picture from the the lunatic, uh, Edward Gorey, and it's a, one of his horrific kinds of uh, scenes of a bunch of people. And, um, and then at the other end is me and newspapers scattered all over, unpaid bills, uh, good Lord, a few uh, used Kleenexes and scraps of paper and this is my, um, yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's see what else I, I've got here. Oh, there's, this is like breaking news, I think. And I want to credit my old employer, WTAE television. Um, I think Andrew Stocky put this out, but he says that WTAE received an email that was sent to uh, Pennsylvania re elected uh, state Republican officials by a elected Republican state official who happens to sit on the bipartisan COVID task force. And someone then leaked it to uh, someone at TAE. And uh, it's good news. Uh, if it's true, <laughs> it's really good news. It says, I think, I mean, I hope you think it is too. Number one, that Governor Wolf is expected uh, this week to move teachers into the 1A category, meaning they would be immediately eligible to receive vaccines. Um, obviously, this is an effort to ensure that 
we can get classrooms open and kids back in school. Uh, and the second thing that the memo uh, said, the email said, was that uh, this newly, uh, this new Johnson & Johnson one dose uh, vaccine uh, is heading this way also this week. And Pennsylvania is expected to be uh, getting 94,000 initial doses of that. So I think both of those qualify as uh, as good news. Okay. Also, you know, usually the the, the Monday after uh, you know an award show. Uh, be at the Academy Awards, the whatever, the Grammys, the Emmys, the Golden Globes. Um, I would talk about it some because I would often watch them. I started watching last night and then said to myself, are you enjoying this? <laughs> Is there not a better way you could spend your time? And uh, I answered both uh, in the negative. I mean, no, negative, no, I answered the first in the negative, the second in the affirmative, and uh, I turned it off. So I, I did not see uh, much of it. I've read about it. And I mean, ever since learning that the Golden, really, what constitutes the Golden Globes is a, is a bunch of white people uh, from Europe who, uh, it's not all Europe, I suppose. It's the foreign press. Um, who, you know, have very different tastes, I think, than Americans do. And there's just a, you know, you could fit them all in one room. It's not like, and they hand these things out and they've, you know, they've got turf. Um, it's sort of like, they're sort of like the Iowa caucuses or the New Hampshire primary. I mean, for no reason at all, they have power. Um, because uh, I guess if you win the Golden Globes, that sort of sets you up for winning the Oscars, I, which is a whole other, you know, bunch of nonsense, I suppose. Anyway, I just decided, eh, never mind. Can't do it. Sick of it. Um, and I think some of the reason that I often would watch is truly the to, to look at the dresses that the women were wearing. And since people wearing t-shirts and, you know, and regular street clothes, all that was gone too, so to have it. Uh, oh dear. So what do we have? I, let, let, me, let, let me head back to, um, to CPAC. Um, I did not watch Trump's speech. I have not watched uh, after the speech any of, you know, anything that's been put out there. Um, there's no need to. Uh, I could have, I could have predicted what he would say. Uh, and yeah, I would have been correct. My understanding of what he said. I, um, but I want to talk about this uh, organization. And uh, by the way, one of the founders of it, a guy who used to be a 
conservative, well, he's still a conservative, I guess, a conservative Republican congressman. And um, he was one of the founders of CPAC. Why am I blanking on his name? He's from Louisiana. Mo somebody. Um, I don't know. He wrote uh, a piece uh, that expressed his disgust at what the organization he founded had become. And when he founded it, it, it really was a place where what passes for American conservatism, you know, no tax, low tax, no taxes. Yeah. Low, 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 low taxes and, you know, strong defense and as little government as you can, you know, that stuff that we lived with. Um, that's what it was for. Although it never liked, for instance, it never would, it didn't like George H.W. Bush. He was too moderate for them. So they were always a, you know, right-leaning, conservative Republican organization. And this guy, who I can't remember now, is it Daniels? He, um, he started this piece by saying that he was mugged once. Oh, that was the Louisiana. He was mugged in New Orleans. He said he was walking down a street, wasn't really paying much attention to anything, and completely bang, he got hit, and things got taken, and uh, he got mugged. And he said, I didn't see it coming. I should have. I should have been more aware. And he uses that personal experience as a metaphor for CPEC. I should have seen this coming. And his uh, assessment of uh, CPAC now is, uh, is akin to what yours would be. He sees it for what it is. He's appalled by it. And he's appalled by this current iteration of the Republican Party. Anyway, I hadn't meant to talk about that. Um, I want to start with something that I think sums it all up. And some people think that this is, oh, that's just a coincidence. You know, I'm sorry, but when it comes to these Republicans, coincidence is never what it is. They are very careful about optics, about... Uh, you know, their phraseology about their narratives, everybody on the same page, right? Sending little winks and nods to certain populations, right? We know the Republic. They're very good at this stuff. So no, it ain't coincidence. It is not coincidence. That the platform, and I'm not talking about their ideas because they don't have any. I'm talking about the actual platform, the stage that they constructed 
which is very odd. If you <laughs> if you look at it, it's like, oh, what what the heck is that? If you look at it from up above, you see what it is. It's a very definite shape. And it's a shape that a lot of white nationalists would recognize immediately because they wear it now. It's one of the shapes that has meaning. It's a shape out of Nazi Germany. It is not the swastika but it has the same kind of angular, it's coming out of the same kind of graphic uh, birth place. And the stage is an exact replica of what is called the Othala Rune, R-U-N-E, which was a symbol chosen by certain uh, certain parts of the Waffen SS as their insignia. So, I mean, if you look up the Othala or Odal, it's another name of it, rune, you can see that they wore it on their collars, they wore it on their chests, they, they wore it, and that's the, the stage. It's very odd. It's this weird triangular thing that goes off and then comes back out again. And and you'd have to, there's no way, there's no way you would create a stage because there's no purpose to the design. You know, if a design shows up, well, it's because we'll see, we could have here, this and that. No, it's a friggin' Nazi symbol. It's not just me who sees a Nazi symbol here. Hyatt Hotels, where this was held at a Hyatt in Orlando, upon being told about this and upon looking at it and realizing that in one of its ballrooms, this huge Nazi symbol had been created. They have now put out, you know, trying to protect themselves from potential boycotts by enraged people, have called it abhorrent. We didn't know. This is a symbol that was seen on uh, on a banner in Charlottesville. This is a symbol that was seen uh, on January 6th. This is a symbol that denotes, connotes fascism, okay? It is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. All right. What else do I have? Oh, oh, oh. Because people have been noting this. Um, the Republicans have have now said that. <laughs> what do you think they said? Come on, come on. 
who's responsible? It's it's not a Nazi symbol. What is it? Come on, you got it. That's right. That's what they're saying. Tim Murtaugh, spokesman for Trump, said it is an mm -hmm, Antifa symbol. Just like January 6th, those people were Antifa, the ones with the red MAGA hats and all the Nazi stuff and, yeah, and all that. Yeah, they were Antifa too. And that's what uh, at CPAC this weekend, this last weekend, uh, was the narrative. So get ready for that. They're just hoping. They're creating their own history. January 6th is going to be erased. Uh, in their world. Um, I, I I fear that not enough Americans are afraid. I fear it. So that when I tweeted something out about the Nazi stage, a guy, a conservative who, you know, listens to me on occasion and, you know, I think has some, um, I I sometimes retweet his stuff. He retweets mine. I don't know. He's, he's like a nice guy, actually. But he, he responded immediately and said, oh, come on, Lynn. As if I'm seeing things. It's that kind of denial of what is right in front of our faces that um, scares me. Because this too is like Germany in Weimar, Weimar, yeah. So, I'm just saying, wake up, see what's sitting right in front of you. I saw a report about um, the, the sort of race, race, racial animus and uh, nationalism that now is the is the heart and soul of the Republican Party. Um, you do know that in America that attacks on Jews, on Asians, on blacks, on brown people are way up. You do know that, right? It's not just people complaining. <laughs> the numbers are all there because there are groups that absolutely keep track. So hate and fear are the hallmarks of the Republican Party and bad taste. I'm referring to that, that supposed statue of Trump. Oh, my God. You could not concoct. And this is by somebody who likes him. You could not concoct a more repulsive looking tribute to your God than that God awful thing. Have you looked at it? 
it's grotesque. And there were the faithful cozying up to it and proudly smiling next to it. And, and as Allison has emailed me, it was the fatted golden calf. what I first thought of when I saw that gold statue of the orange one. Yes, and it bespeaks the very unchristian, un-Judeo-Christian reality of this new Republican Party. Not so new, frankly. That it is a cult. It worships idols, idol, there's one. It worships him. And I thought that, is that, it's in my Ten Commandments, is it in the Christian Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. I know our Ten Commandments are a little bit different. Did that one drop off of the Christian ones because uh, because of Jesus? I'm just asking. I don't know, okay? But you're not supposed to worship false idols. And that so many of his backers think they're Christian. Is just mind blowing. <sighs> you know, you can't read about what's happening in Congress right now and see CPAC and not realize that this Republican Party stands for nothing, nothing but worship of Donald Trump and fear and hate for a whole bunch of other folks. You tell me, somebody help me here, and tell me what, name me some bills, some legislation, some policy proposals that when you think Republican Party, you immediately think of. What is it that they're doing when you elect them? I mean, the job is to pass legislation. That's the job of a legislature, right? To pass legislation. The Republicans had control for four years there, and what did they do? Tell me, name me something. And now, name me something. Seriously, I'm serious. What? What do they? What do they think they're there for? Well, I mean, we know what they think they're there for. They're there to exercise power and stop Democrats from doing the job of legislating. It is the most 
ludicrous, empty party in our history. Seriously. It only, what it produces are these narratives and lies and uh, grievances. I would say those are the things that immediately come to mind. When I think, what do Republicans, what are they there for? To complain, to suggest that they're being canceled, to, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole CPAC thing was all about canceling. What the? That's the big thing that this country has to deal with right now? We've got a pandemic. We have this unbelievable, uh, you know, amount of work to do. And that's what Republicans are talking about is the big deal. That and, of course, um, how January 6th was just, uh, you know, a bunch of well-intentioned people that with a few troublemakers in there, all of them Antifa, that created this uh, terrible situation, right? These are dangerous people. They are dangerous people. And if you can't see the, you can't smell the early fascism coming from their speakers, then you need to go back and learn some history. You know what they're really upset about? Historians, <laughs> yeah, they're bad guys. Historians, you see, um, say that, well, we were a slave nation. We were born one, and then even after we abolished slavery, we're so clever, we came up with something, well, it ain't slavery. We called it Jim Crow, and it had the same effects. You keep black people down. You kill them. You terrorize them. And that is part of our history. It's also part of our present. And the Republicans, again, well, I'll, let me quote uh, Josh Howley. We have to reclaim our history, their history. It's white history, and it's their narrative, and it's what they had control of for most of this nation's history. It's what I learned when I was a little kid in school in the 50s. And now we're saying that history uh, left uh, a whole big, huge bunch of stuff out. And Howley said, we've got to reclaim the history. 
And it's a history that says we're good people and we're proud people. We're proud, here's his words, we're proud to live in a country that liberated slaves. That's it, case closed. Oh, Holly Manat call for a new nationalism. He said he was a country boy. Let me tell you, he's the son of a wealthy banker who went to all the elite schools. What is, I mean, the, the, the sheer audacity of these people. And what I really don't like about it is their assumption that we don't know the truth. God almighty. Hey, I got excited when I saw it. You see that uh, France uh, just convicted their president, Sarkozy, their former president. Sarkozy, they convicted him, and he's uh, he was sentenced to prison. Now, I understand he was given a three-year sentence and two of the years suspended. I don't know why. And one, the one year he has to serve, apparently, he's going to serve in his house. But they convicted him. For that matter, they convicted another one of their uh, presidents, uh, Chirac, I think. Chirac was uh, convicted at one point. So um, it's not like other democracies don't think that you can hold uh, politicians accountable after they leave office for things they did while in office. And that is what this was about in regard to Sarkozy. Oh, another really funny thing. I, I'm sure you probably saw it that um, before the CPAC got started, I meant to get this in here. Um, they had they had sent out their uh, lineup, and uh, part of the lineup was a guy I don't know from nothing, but he's uh, called Young Pharaoh. And um, he's identified here as an online commentator and promoter of conspiracy theories. He was all set to speak. And then uh, somebody tugged on somebody's sleeve and said, uh, you know, there might be a little trouble here because, I mean, this guy has said things that even for us are a little over the top. Uh, we can't, I think... He he says he has said that Judaism is a complete lie. He has said that all pedophilia is being done by Jews. He says uh, Jews are thieves. 
Um, and even for us, I think that's a little over the top, given the fact that we have all these, you know, Orthodox Jews who are really into us. So, so they canceled them. I'm looking at a headline that says CPAC cancels speaker. Now, what's funny about that is that almost all of the little breakout sessions and stuff they had there were about the cancel culture. Something that apparently we do, they don't. CPAC cancels. Just wanted that to get in there. I've got a caller. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hello. LC, I want to ask you yeah. a question. All right. Now, this the uh, Trump statue. You know yeah. where it was made? In Mexico. <laughs> I know. In Mexico. Right? Isn't that perfect? <clears throat> well, right, because they, they believe in America first and America this and American jobs. And right, that's where Mexico. I believe all the MAGA hats are pretty much made in China, too. I don't so, so I guess that I guess that wall didn't matter when they brought that uh, statue across. I guess not. I think it was an American. I'm not sure. Whoever did it, this god awful thing, um, said he was upset by what he thought of as the tastelessness and. Uh, and grotesquerie of so many of the statues that had, he had seen of Trump. I'm thinking, he's seen statues of Trump? I have not. But he wanted to make a really wonderful one. And this is what he came up with. Flip-flops, uh, shorts made out of an American flag, and this grotesque gold head. Oh, my God. And yes, and then he, he yeah, he, he went off to live in Mexico, this guy. Like that statue wasn't grotesque. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, you couldn't. You couldn't, if you tried, come up with a statue in more bad taste. It's, you know, like if I had made that statue, I can see me making that statue just to make fun of him. But that somebody who adores him made that statue, beyond belief. I can't even, I can't even comprehend it. Seriously. So I, was listening, yes. I was listening to uh, Chris Moore the other night, and a caller called in and said, all of those Republicans should bend over and kiss that butt on the statue. Yeah. Well, they, they kiss his butt all the time, so why not? Right. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> yeah, they do. They do. They pay. They bow and scrape. That's what they do. Lynn, can I leave you with something? I guess so. Sure. What happens when you sit on a snowball too long? Uh, I don't know. It melts. You get Polaroids. Ha <laughs> ha! You're out of here. You got it? I got it. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
polaroids. I got it. Um, oh, my God. Speaking of unbelievably bad judgment, did you see – this is nothing big. It just – did you see the guy who showed up uh, in court for a traffic violation or something – and he, um, he, he was doing it obviously remotely and he was at work and he was a surgeon and I'm going to sneeze, abort, abort. That was weird. It was feeling like it was going to be a wonderful sneeze and then it just stopped. Okay. Um, this guy joined the court, Zoom, in full uh, surgical regalia, a patient on a table. And when the judge said, uh, are you, uh, are you? operating on someone and the doctor said yeah you know no problem I, I it's okay we're okay i got another there's another guy here who could and the judge said uh-uh, uh-uh. My, I, my concern here is for your patient like the doctor's concern shouldn't have been for you. imagine you're the patient whoever this doctor is he should be that's it you're done. You're gone. You're dead. That's it. Apparently, he was a, a plastic surgeon. So for all I know, he was doing someone's uh, eyes. They come out with one looking this way and the other looking that. Who the hell knows? What a disgusting human being. Oh, man. There's no end to it. Um, Barbara sent me a quote from Dwight Eisenhower. For those of you who don't know, this was a Republican president in 1956. If a political party does not have its foundation in the determination to advance a cause that is right and moral, then it is not a political party. It is merely a conspiracy to seize power. That's it. Thank you, Ike. That's it. He defined the Republican Party. It's not a political party. It is merely a conspiracy to seize power. I love that. It's absolutely right on the mark. Wow. Okay. Now, hang on. I got some other stuff. Hey, Governor Cuomo. Wow. Okay. I just want to say this. He is an awful person. I mean, I know this because I know someone who dealt with him a lot. And was always telling me, I mean, I'm going back decades, how awful he was, that he is, you can tell he is a bully. I mean, just an incredible bully. 
we all got, the rest of the country got a very sort of different sense of him because of his handling initially of COVID and those news conferences he gave and his incredible command and his, you know, he, he, he really looked impressive as hell. And he very well could be bright, um, whatever. Anyway, so now there are two credible women uh, saying that they felt um, sexually harassed uh, while working for him. And um, this is gaining traction. And there are calls already for his resignation. And you know what? I just want to say this. Fine. This is this dance we do now. When did we stop sort of letting, I mean, again, this is this thing I have against mobs. And I don't like this guy. But could we let him do his job and, and get him at the polls or take him to court? I mean, these women should bring this. This should go through the channels it's supposed to go through, and not end up with this, you know, torches and stuff. And I have to say, it's because people are just hypocrites about this stuff. Total hypocrites. I give you uh, New York State's uh, senator, uh, Gyllenhaal. Is that her name? Uh, no, that's an actress. Uh, Gillibrand. Um, whatever. <laughs> Kirsten, Kristen, I, she's the one who took down Al Franken for a picture. He's a comedian. A picture that I can see a million wonderful men doing just for a laugh. It's a joke. <clears throat> Pretending to grab, uh, you know, this woman's breasts, you know, leering at the camera as he does it. A joke. And when it comes to Cuomo, she is quiet. She's saying, well, and this, and of course, and maybe, and you know what, and and it's exactly, and I'm going to get personal here, what we did with Bill Clinton. If he's your molester, you give him a pass. If he's their molester, you go after him. Bill Clinton was a serial harasser. And we stood with him. So I'm sick of this dance. I really am sick of it. And I'm not sure how. But I, could we just get back to letting the systems that are in place take care of this? And put the pitchforks down. Media loves this. I mean, that, the media is just like, this is, a, this is a guy that everybody would love to take down. 
Yeah. He's not likable. But there's something something so dishonest about us. I'm including myself here, in case you hadn't noticed, when it comes to this stuff. And I'm sick of it. I really am sick of it. Now, you'll remember that um, I think on Thursday when we last spoke, I um, I said that I was worried about poor Rachel Levine and how she would be treated when she went to her confirmation hearing. She's been nominated, as you know, to be an assistant secretary of health. And well, who we now see. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you saw Rand Paul didn't want to talk about, you know, her concerns about COVID and what she would do or opioid epidemic or uh, racial disparities in the medical treatment, all the things that she might, in fact, that if you're he wanted to talk about children's genitalia. He does not believe that transgender is real. Um, and he went after her. He was like, he was like, you know, there was drool coming out of his mouth. He was like crazed. And she kept her cool. I don't know. Well, she's had to deal with this forever. You know, I don't know if she's a great uh, doctor or a great, I have not a clue. But the fact that she has managed to rise so high, given the obvious impediment of I suppose it's politically incorrect what I'm going to say, of not being the most attractive woman in the world. She kept her cool and said, transgender medicine, Senator, is a complex and nuanced field. And she kept saying, she, I'd be very happy to come to your office and discuss this issue with you in depth. And I thank you for this opportunity to answer your questions, even though they were insulting and demeaning and carrying ridiculous untruths. He said at one point, if you've ever been around children, she's a pediatrician. <laughs> if you've ever been around children, the loathsome Rand Paul says to 
the doctor, the pediatrician. She created the Penn State Hershey Medical Center's Adolescent Medicine Division. All he could do was do what Republicans do. He was outraged. He believes that children decide they're transgender because of peer pressure. What? And so. Uh, the Republican Party. I am going to keep that Ike quote. I'm going to memorize it so I carry it with me always because it nails this party. Nails it. Do I have another caller? I'm sorry if I do. I screwed up. I don't. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you, Amy. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Henry says in regard to the the Nazi stage, I was quick to think the stage design was an unfortunate coincidence myself, but a stage design has to be approved months in advance so that the materials can be produced. Carpet layers, graphic designers, video technicians, all of them are part of a stage design and start working on the stage months in advance. I find it hard to believe that no one in the entire process didn't notice the symbol and call for a change. I think this symbol had to be purposely part of the design from the start. And it is the design. How would you come up with that design? As I said, I'm thinking if you're doing like a Miss America pageant, I can see where you might want those kind of those long lines and runways going in different directions and maybe having them come in from this side and that side and stand here and there and whatever. But this is a place where just one person at a time is standing at the podium. There was no reason for that design. Oh, Brooke's telling me that CPAC honored the life of Rush Limbaugh at their annual Ronald Reagan dinner. And Brooke says Ronald Reagan would not recognize this party. No, and they wouldn't be into him either. Although, let's, I ain't letting him off the hook. He birthed this party. Uh, he gave it a nice big head start in life. He gave them their, their big wonderful thing about government is a big huge problem. And he played racial politics as well. But Brooke is saying, I think if he were alive today, he would be an independent. Maybe. He would not have approved of Rush Limbaugh. You might have not liked Reagan's policies, but he had some scruples. I, you know, uh, um, 
Rush Limbaugh was around when Reagan was, wasn't he? I don't know. Roger writes, CPAC brought he who should not be named voice back on my television. It's been so nice not to hear him until now. See, I haven't heard him. I didn't watch news and I, I have not. And I'm so happy. And two, Roger says, why do Republicans let the presidential losers keep coming back? Nixon, Reagan, and probably this jerk. Democrat losers fade into oblivion. Pretty much. Uh, Bob wants me to acknowledge the passing of Channel 2's uh, meteorologist uh, retired, Bob Kutzma. Um, I didn't know Bob, um, so I don't have any stories. I, I did read the uh, obituary, and, um, and I was delighted to learn more about him. He seemed, seemed to be a really good guy. And uh, one of the things that I particularly liked is while he was still working as a meteorologist, television meteorologist, he, and this is later in life, he's, he decides in his spare time, he wants to, I don't know how that would work, he wanted to drive a school bus. Now, a guy who's been, you know, white collar, white collar, white collar up there, all the, he wants to drive a school bus? And yes, he did. And he was driving that school bus. Way, I mean, when he stopped being a weatherman, he kept riding, driving that school bus. He loved it. And I loved that. And he said, I've always been sort of a working class kind of guy. And I said, you see, I, I, I just can't believe how many people uh, see work as an indication of your value and how status oriented people are, you know, Oh, my son, the doctor or my son, the this or this and that, blah, blah, blah. And we all do it. But people labor and there should be no sense that one person's labor is somehow not as worthy as another's. And in fact, I would posit that the labor of so many of the lowest paid people is much more valuable, much more important than the labor of those who are getting paid millions. My father instilled in me this sense that work is by itself ennobling. And someone working with their hands or driving a school bus is doing great work. I used to do a thing when I was a TV reporter called On the Job. And I would for a day try to do someone's job. And guys, I learned that the jobs that we like think, 
discount are often much more complicated than they seem, require either uh, require skills that we don't acknowledge. I don't know. God bless them. Made me want to go drive a school bus. <laughs> Not really. Um, but yes. So, um, hey, Bob, thank you uh, for reminding me of, uh, of that. Well, I think, I think that'd be it. And uh, I thank you all. And I should be back tomorrow. And uh, Susan should be joining me. And so I wish you a good March 1st, 2021. It's looking lambish to me. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.